Hey, quick announcement. This will be the last episode of season one of the Amanda Doherty Press podcast. We've been thrilled to be partnering alongside you this year and look forward to rejoining you again in January. So stay tuned. Have a great holiday season and we'll be back. You're listening to the Amanda Doherty Press podcast, a show designed to help small business owners, side hustlers and entrepreneurs like you feel more equipped to handle your marketing strategy. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Amanda Doherty Press Podcast. I'm Matt. Here with Amanda. And today what we're going to be talking about is a Google-friendly way to brainstorm website content. Yeah. If you are a website owner, I really hope that this will bring you some encouragement and also streamline the way that you consider what content to post, how often, and why you should really be investing some time and energy in doing so. Yeah, when when I first got into this, I was really overwhelmed with the amount of stuff you had to do to start ranking and to get your website higher. Uh, and just not have a website. I think a lot of people are content to just sit on a domain with some information on it and some pictures and be okay with that. Uh, It wasn't until we started digging into it and really figuring out what it meant to uh, be SEO friendly, to be Google friendly, that we figured out a content strategy, content calendar, and realized it wasn't as overwhelming as we originally thought. Yes, and remember the whole purpose of your website is to serve your customers, but unless you play the game with Google that they have established the rules and kind of dominated the conversation for a while now, uh, your customers won't be able to find you. So you want to make sure that you are serving your customers effectively and that you're doing so in a Google-friendly way. And so we are here to share some secrets to help you accomplish both without having to sacrifice your uh, original intent to serve your customers well. Yeah, do you think it's worth it to uh, be really Ask Jeeves friendly? I'm not going to answer that question. Okay. I'm just not going to do <laughs> Maybe it. Maybe you'll be a niche in the market for the Yahoo three answers? people. Yeah, the three people <laughs> that use uh, Ask Chief still. Is that still a website, do you think? I'm not going to Google it. I don't want to know. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of ironic that you would have to Google to figure it out if Ask Chiefs was still alive. I know. I think it's funny when I think about like our first intro into search engines when we were kids was Ask Jeeves. Like, I remember that was a, like, that's almost. Like, I remember thinking at the time, like, this sounds so strange that I can just ask a question. It was, like, one of the first original search bars. Yeah. But it was essentially, like, the search bar early version of Wikipedia. I think so. Yeah, and you had to type everything as a question. Yeah. Like Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> just like Jeopardy. All right, so today we will not be talking about Ask Jeeves. Well, we, will, we will, in fact, be talking about Google. And I, what we're going to talk about, again, is just uh, how to get website content, uh, how to be more Google-friendly on your website in a way that's not overwhelming, is not going to take all your time. And uh, if you are a go-getter and a writer and somebody that has the time and energy to do it, it's something you can DIY. Absolutely. Yep. So, Amanda, what do you think the biggest mistake a website owner can make is? Uh, and in your phrase specifically that I really liked is the set it and forget it mentality. Yeah, yeah, that was my favorite infomercial. That was pretty close. I um, I cannot tell you, I have worked on so many beautiful websites that have been launched. They've been set out into the world. People ate it up. And then two weeks later, the initial hype kind of died down. Um, and, you know, even a month or two down the road, uh, the original content started ranking. But because there was no fresh content, there was no uh, no updates, there were no... Um, additional attempts to maintain those keyword rankings or any SEO strategy, the tank, you know, essentially those rankings would tank or plummet or just kind of just go off into page 500 
of the Google search rankings. And that's really sad because when you invest in a beautiful website that is optimized for SEO, you've made a big investment. It's like buying your house and then never maintaining it ever again. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. It's just not cleaning and not doing dishes. I, if you eventually just don't ever take the trash out, your house is going to be a trash heap. And websites are the same kind of thing. They start to pile up with junk. And it's not necessarily that like bad things happen to your website if you don't maintain them. Oh, it, it, it does. Well, yeah, like you're not uh, getting like, yeah, I know. But <laughs> Google could, yeah. You know, well, yeah, I blacklisted you're by not, Google. You're not like, your website's not going to change if you, uh, if you don't maintain it. But things are going to start to pile up uh, that are going to make Google not as happy with you. Yeah. A um, prime example right now, we're working on a website that was previously maintained by a very large, well-known marketing company. Um, They did a great job when the website was maintained and hosted by them, but once uh, the company decided to pull away from this particular marketing uh, team and work with us instead, we have found that there were a lot of band-aids that were used to take really cheap shortcuts. It's like when you, you know, buy a, a used house and you go in and you know that when you start doing renovations and when you start to you know pull back the drywall to make some you know big changes uh in your house you have no idea what's going to be behind those walls and it's kind of horrifying when you start to pull back like hey maybe this was like a really neurotic person that really maintained the house well or reported everything did everything up to code and then there are other houses like you know this one <laughs> that ended up being like, oh, they're supposed to be a stud every however many inches. Surprise, they're not in this wall. We don't have any here. So I, I know that sounds a little bit extreme and a little bit sarcastic, but it's not too far from the truth at the moment with a couple of very basic things. So maintaining a, a, a house and doing it well up to code is incredibly important. Maintaining your investment in a website is equally, if not more important, because many of you are operating exclusively online. So if you were to um, maintain your website as, well, think about it this way. If you're going to maintain and improve and freshen up and update your brick and mortar shop, um, you need to do the same thing with your website and do it just as frequently and with just as much intention. Yeah, and we use the house example a lot because I think it holds a lot of weight. If you update the aesthetics of the house, you're essentially flipping it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you update the aesthetics of your website, it's great. It's going to look pretty. Are people going to be able to find it? Are people going to actually be able to uh, search through and look at your beautifully updated website? The thing that's going to be more important is the actual bones of your website and the uh, stuff that's holding it up and the foundational stuff like your SEO. Uh, you can have an ugly website that really ranks high on Google and people are going to find you. You're going to get more business and you're going to convert higher. Obviously, if you have a website with a really good foundation and that looks nice, then it's going to be better. But uh, we always recommend if you're going to choose one over the other, choose the SEO, choose the foundation to actually put your website on, make sure your images are optimized, make sure your content's optimized, make sure you have the right content there in a way that Google likes and recognizes. Yep. So fresh content is a non-negotiable. You don't have to start with the whole house. You at least have to have a, a solid foundation and a good structure in place. From there, you can flesh it out and make it look as you know extensive as you want to. But a huge mistake would just be to let it fall to the wayside and just kind of forget to maintain it. Um, don't add fresh content because, yeah, your users want to see fresh content. If I go into your website and you, it doesn't look like you've updated anything in the last year, then it's probably going to seem irrelevant to me. It's definitely going to seem irrelevant to Google, and it will affect your your search results, and we don't want that to happen, so we're here to help you out. However, writing fresh content can also be quite a beast in itself, and we completely understand that. Many of the websites that we're building right now, we're passing off to 
uh, the, you know, the business owners and, and many of them are probably thinking like, oh God, now I have to actually maintain it and I have to write fresh content. Where do I start? Maybe you're there right now. So we have a couple strategies in place for you. Hey guys, if you're curious how any of these principles can be applied to your website as early as today, feel free to hop on over to our website, amandadohertypress.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and sign up for the free website audit. We will analyze everything from the current SEO status to your keyword rankings, to the style of your branding and your copy to make sure that your website is effective as possible and to make recommendations for future improvements. So don't hesitate, feel free to hop on over to the website now and sign up today. Yeah, so the first thing we wanted to talk about is how to create a straightforward content strategy that isn't overwhelming or scattered. I think that this is a great place to start, not just because your website needs to know this and Google needs to know this and your users need to know this, but uh, you as a business owner need to know this as well. Um, There is a content strategy we tend to follow most uh, consistently. It's called the pillar content strategy. And what we're trying to establish is what are the main pillars of your business all about. So if you were to choose three to five things that you want to focus on and just be the expert in your field in, what would those topics be and how can you use those to channel all of the creative direction that you want to start serving your customers in? Yeah, definitely. So just figuring out those pillar content uh, or those three pillars is going to be really important. It doesn't have to just be three, but you want to be an expert. Google wants to see relevancy. They want to see an authority on a certain subject. And if you can become an authority on a certain subject, then people that are going to search for that subject are going to find you. Yeah. So in our case, because we're a marketing firm, our main pillars are going to be SEO, content, and um, website design. Those are our top three. And if you don't have a top three yet, then it's very important that you sit down and think what three things am I going to become the expert in the room in? Um, And then you want to make sure that you center all of the corresponding content around those three to five pillars. Yeah. So pop quiz, Amanda, if you are somebody that owns a company that sells plants, a nursery, thinking this (laughs) off the top of my head and you know nothing about plants because you kill all of our plants uh what would your three things for pillar content be and we didn't discuss this before so this is actually putting it on the spot okay so just because i've worked on a a number of nurseries you could either have annuals perennials and maintenance or you could have uh ground cover and then whatever the not ground cover plants would be in bushes (laughs) Trees? trees are those the non ground cover plants <laughs> no like the regular plants i don't know what ground cover like is flowers maybe it's just flowers <laughs> so maybe ground cover flowers shrubs and trees those could be like your pillar content pieces and you organize all of your information around those four things yeah and it doesn't mean you only have to work in those things you can do stuff outside of it like for example we do business coaching as well but it's not something that we're actively uh, putting as our pillar content currently. It might change and we might start doing that. But the th- things that are making us the m- most money right now and the things that we're chasing after are the SEO content and website design. And the coaching is fostering those three things anyway. So it's really pretty much equipping um, business owners in those three areas as well. So everything we do channels back to those three things. If it doesn't fall into one of those three categories or serve it in a way that, you know, is worth our time and energy and in investing to writing about or podcasting about or coaching about, then we won't do it. Yeah. And don't worry about people searching for things outside of those three pillars and not finding you because they won't if you don't focus on other things that they're searching for. 
But if you're an expert as the, at those three things, then you're going to drive a lot of traffic to your site. You're going to drive a lot of traffic to your brick and mortar, uh, if you have one, or just your business in general, through those three things. Uh, what I'm trying to say with all this is you're not pigeonholing yourself when you uh, focus on just three things. You're not uh, shrinking your business down to a size that it doesn't need to be. Yeah, and so think about a spider web, right? The pillar content is essentially going to be the center of the spider web, and then it's going to branch out into multiple directions into what we call clusters. So those clusters are then going to have more detailed, um, you know, either blogs or podcasts or resources or infographics relating to that pillar content. And so a very simple content strategy that will make your life much easier moving forward is to have those pillar contents, you know, in place, what, what are those main pillar topics that you want to focus on for your business, and then rotate between each one of those and create something that's a little bit more detailed. So in our case, we would have like website design is a very popular service that we offer. So one of the clusters that we could focus on could be um, website design aesthetics, or then uh, website design site speed, or website design host selection, anything that would point back towards website design, but would give more detailed topics off of that central topic. Um, because it's, it's interesting because SEO is changing even as we speak. I, I say that as an SEO myself, but keywords are often the most basic form of SEO that people start to look into. However, Google is so smart and has such a huge number of searches at its disposal to research and to categorize and to organize that it now is looking um, for user or search intent. So if someone were to just type in SEO, it's not going to just pop up the one page that is most optimized for SEO. It's instead going to look at a uh, whatever website is including all the keywords that are often associated with SEO. So it's looking for any of those related keywords that might commonly be found in SEO. So if you are a, um, what's another industry that we could try? Let's stick with the plants. Oh gosh, right? go with the plants. We'll just run with the plants. If you are a nursery owner, I'm really sorry. <laughs> we really <highly laughs> Or you're welcome you for the free business ideas. But we don't know anything about plants because this yeah. might sabotage your business. Um, but if you are a the owner of a plant nursery or something similar, um, then if you are trying to you know think about the word nursery, you're going to associate other words like annuals, perennials, shrubs, trees, all of that. That's going to naturally be part of the conversation if you're looking for a nursery. So if you have a website that is focusing on being a nursery and also includes topics based on those five, it's going to let Google know, hey, this is actually, you know, a very well thought out, well-rounded and um, relevant conversation to what this user is searching for. Um, and it even gets more detailed if you were to type in things like you know, uh, growing zones. That's something else that people search for quite often when you're looking for a nursery to see what kind of plants are going to live in your specific region based on your climate, sun, whatever the heck else plants need. Um, and so things like that. So the more extensive you can go into that, maybe it might be a very popular like spring, you know, plant that lives in that particular area. So essentially what Google is trying to do is look through all of the words and all of the, uh, the different internal links inside of your website to see, okay, how well-rounded is this? How informed um, or how how helpful is this going to be to the user who is searching for uh, spring perennials to plant in my garden this year? And so 
instead of thinking of it just as a keyword research when it comes to SEO, think of it as an entire entity. How does your whole website itself kind of network towards a specific topic? And so thinking of that spiderweb analogy, all those other things that you're going to write about, the farther you go out, the more branches that you have, um, those should all very easily navigate and uh, trickle down back to the central topic or pillar that um, will tell Google that what you are writing about is incredibly relevant and that you have a lot of supporting information that would tell Google that you are an expert in your field and a source of authority um, in your in your field or conversation. Yeah, and if you want a good example of this that's not plants and it's something we actually know about, then look at our title of our podcast. Just go through and read the titles that we've gone through, except for the first episode, which was kind of our origin story about how we started the business and all that. Every one of those is connected to SEO um, website design or the Copy last one. Writing. What? Copywriting. Copywriting. That's the one that I forgot about. Yeah. So content. So if you look through and read through those, uh, those titles of the website or the, uh, excuse me, podcast, we've gone, you know, we haven't gone like the first four or this one, the second four, this one, we've just kind of gone out of order and done what we felt like talking about that day. And we felt like it was important. A lot of times it was based on questions we had throughout the week and things we'd already been thinking on, but all three or all of our episodes so far have related back to those and all the episodes in the future will relate back to those unless we decide to add another pillar. Mm -hmm. Yep. And for now, we're not going to. <laughs> yeah, we're I think we've got our hands full. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So as you're thinking about a content strategy, don't overcomplicate it. Don't try to come up with all these ideas, you know, completely on a whim. Um, one thing that you can very easily do to come up with uh, content that will help boost your topic in your pillar ranking, um, go to askthepeople.com or .net, whichever one it is. Um, or answer the public. That's what answer the public. Answer the public. Ask the people. That might be something totally right. good. Yeah. <laughs> answer the public. So go to answer the public, and just type in your keyword. And what it's going to do is pop up with a ton of search um, queries and questions related to that. So if you're trying to get a lot more content ideas, go ahead and hop over to that tool. It's, it's free to use. I think you get three searches per day for free. That should be all you need um, to come up with something to write about this week or today or tomorrow. But um, it also has a subscription. I think it's it may be worth it. I don't know. I don't imagine many of you are writing as often as we are, and we don't use it. Yeah. So um, <laughs> we do the three a day. Then if we can't find something, we wait till the next day. We also have another bumper, you know, other tools at our disposal for that purpose too. But yeah, it costs about a six pack a month, so that's uh, that's more beer we can drink if we don't buy it. So anyway, but the, the idea is to go over there and see what other people are asking related to that. And that might give you um, something to write about because just find a, a question that you think would resonate with your readers or with your viewers and answer the question as thoroughly as you possibly can. Yeah, definitely. Uh, those are questions that are frequently searched, so there will be articles on them. But a lot of people think how it's really difficult to uh, rank super high and get on the front page for certain keywords. If you have a long tail keyword that's specific, in like a like a question from answer the public that people are searching but aren't really getting answers for it's not terribly hard to rank on the first page of google for it if you play your cards right and if you have a long-term content strategy that's kind of the point yeah. is that google wants to see that you're writing consistently and that um that article that you're posting and that blog that you're posting in conjunction with all the other previous articles that you've written are going to power up the you know the SEO juice and it's going to be way more effective and powerful than if you just wrote a one-off article every once in a while that really didn't tie back into the three main pillar core pieces of your website. 
So there is definitely a little bit more strategy to this than what we're alluding to, but I don't want you to get overwhelmed by that. The goal here is just to give you permission to choose three to five things to be an expert in and just uh, come up with subtopics based on those individual topics. And eventually that will naturally communicate to Google and to your users that you're an expert in your field. And you'll power up your SEO juice. The SEO juice. I don't know how else to describe it because it is. It's like every single internal link is going to either be like boosted by or like, okay, it's sucking away the SEO juice. That's how me and a couple of other SEOs communicate. And we all make like it. It's probably the worst analogy on the planet, but it makes sense to us. Yeah. Right. We want to improve the SEO power and ranking um, of every web page, not detract from it. And there are very easy ways to detract from it. Just stay on top of it. Make it the easiest way to, you know, for Google to categorize and, um, you know, describe each of your content pieces and how they fit in together. And I guarantee if you have that very, very simple, you know, either concept map or, you know, spider web analogy, if that helps you visualize it a little bit more effectively, make sure everything connects well and that um, everything is networked well enough that it would be simple and very easy for Google to figure out what the heck you're all about and what you're trying to be an expert in. Yeah, exactly. And last question we want to answer is why does fresh content matter? I think we've answered that quite a bit, but at the same time, um, why does it matter? It's because consistency is something that is going to affect your rankings on Google. It's also going to um, affect your ability to serve your customers well. So again, just as often as you would maybe, you know, think about Target or any kind of like shop that you would walk into, they update the look and feel and products and services based on the season, based on the current needs of their customers. And, you know, whether you realize it or not, that's specifically to serve you, um, their ideal customer. So I am the ideal customer of Target, right? And so I know if I need to find something birthday related that there's always going to be a birthday section. But if I'm looking for a swimsuit, I know there's a certain time of year I can go in and you know find that swimsuit. It's very intuitive the way that it you know updates everything to make it as simple as it can possibly be for me to walk in and find exactly what I'm looking for. Your website needs to be just as organized and it needs to be re, uh, restructured and reformatted quite often throughout the year to make sure that it's relevant to what the current search um, topics are going to be and how you can better serve your viewers. Yeah, and you don't have to be a novelist to do the content. You don't have to be somebody, you know, that is uh, an insanely good writer and has been previously published or is a professional and all that. It you can, helps. Yeah, it definitely helps. As, but... as well as uh, making your stuff readable. It's, uh, you know, you, you, you've all gone to a website and read an article or read a blog that's just kind of painful to get through because of grammar, because of tone, well, whatever. I haven't because I stopped reading it. True. I think it's kind that's, of the, yeah, general, like, People aren't going to struggle through your blog, so you want to make sure that it's, it's as painless as possible. Yeah. Uh, but the biggest thing is, uh, well, I won't say the biggest thing, but, you know, the important foundation for it is having that keyword research, knowing what you're answering and having a clear and concise uh, idea of what your blog is or your article is, whatever you want to call it, before you start. Uh, that's something that we uh, talk about a lot as a business when we're going through and doing it for somebody else or doing it ourselves is what is this about? What's the main purpose? What am I trying to get across? And then uh, after we do that, it's let's start writing it. And then for me, at least the process is let's write it out. Then let's get those keywords, make sure they're naturally in there or we can put them in there in a place that makes it seem natural. Yeah. And a good place to start to make sure that you have a solid foundation on those pillar articles and make sure you have those pillar pieces ready to go. We actually call them pillar pages because that is where you're going to network and link out to all the other resources related to that topic. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you want to have at least five clusters or those subtopics 
related to every pillar. Um, if you have fewer than five, then you're going to have like such a weak foundation for that, that Google probably is not going to give you much clout. However, if you have at least five, that's giving you a really good starting point. So if you're just trying to figure out, okay, where is a hole or a gap on my website? I don't even know where to start. You need to reorganize your website. And um, I would consider, in fact, in most circumstances, now I say I'm nervous that I'm saying that, but I think in most circumstances, the, the top headings of your website should most likely address your pillar pages, right? And so think yeah. of all the sub, like the menu items. If, you know, the top menu is, you know, like for us, it's SEO, copywriting, and website design. So if you click on copywriting underneath that, what are maybe five subtopics that would instantly give, um, you know, readers and viewers in Google uh, the understanding that we have a well-rounded understanding of this and that we're experts here. And if I can't think of at least five, or if I can't find five very easy to find um, resources that I can link to on that page, then I need to make sure I fill in those holes and uh, get that solid foundation back up. After that, uh, I would argue that if you can do nothing else once a month, posting regular fresh content is non-negotiable. If you go less than that, you're going to have um, a very hard time putting all that effort to any purpose whatsoever. You might as well just post it on social media and call it a day. Um, but if you're wanting to nurture and grow your website, you need to post at least once a month. I would argue once, you know, once every week is ideal. Is it realistic for everyone? Absolutely not. That's why copywriting is one of the most commonly outsourced things. And we, we have a lot of clients who are great writers, but they don't have the time to do it. So they pass that off to us to make sure that they're honoring their time and doing what they can be experts in. And we can therefore just support them with what we're experts in. So don't feel like you have to do this all on your own. Copywriting is quite often a team effort. Um, so don't feel like you have to be the one sitting down running at your computer on a daily basis or weekly basis when you really have no time to do anything else. Yeah. And if you are super confused on where to start or what to do, uh, reach out to us. We would love to talk to you, either Amanda at amandadohertypress.com or Matt at amandadohertypress.com. The easiest ways to get up with us. and Or you can submit something through our website if you'd like as well. But uh, but definitely reach out. We'd love to help you come up with a plan. We'd love to uh, tell you about what we can offer. Or if you want to do it all uh, homebrewed yourself, then we'd love to help you uh, come up with something to do that. Uh, definitely reach out to us. You know Our consultations are free. We're not trying to charge somebody just to talk to us. Uh, we have enough time to hang out with somebody for a minute, either grabbing a beer in town, grabbing some coffee, or uh, meeting virtually. So definitely send us an email if you're uh, wanting to get started but have no idea where to. Yeah, we're thrilled to help you out. We're not here to hold the secrets and be the gatekeepers to you succeeding online. We're here to just kind of empower you. And if we were part of that equation, we'd be honored. And if not, then cheers. Another business owner has more information to be able to do this well. So we need more support out here between business owners, and we're here to do that for you. Yeah. We really appreciate you guys joining us again for another episode of Amanda Doherty Press Podcast. I'm Matt. Here with Amanda. And we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.